We're really glad you're here today, uh, especially if it's your first time or one of your first times joining us. Just really glad you came to meet with God. That's what we believe we do week in, week out. We meet with the living God. We meet with him through Jesus, through his spirit that lives and people that follow him. And so we're glad you're here today. My name's Andy Campman. I'm the director of mobilization for the 100 People Network. Um, today we're going to have three different parts. The first part is, what is the 100 People Network? Um, and what does that mean? And uh, we're going to talk about what God's done in the last six and a half years, how this thing got started, what he's currently doing, and then what he's leading us to in the future, this year in particular. Um, <clears throat> we're gonna, second, we're going to talk about a biblical conviction we have about worship. We're going to open our Bibles to Psalm 96 and see what God has to teach us about worship. And then last, we're going to talk about two responses to that conviction. Two responses to that conviction. So my friends are going to come up here. Um, got about uh, 50 folks that are going to come up here and join me. And I'm just going to keep talking. Uh, so th th just let them come on up. Uh, the 100 People Network is a part of our church. Um, it started back in the late summer of, of 2009. There were several pastors um, from our church that got together and said, what would it look like if God were to raise up from our body 100 people that would go to the nations um, from our body and start that process and go um, and proclaim the good news of Jesus to people that have never heard where there is no church. And so we decided to start something called the 100 People Network. And in September, just a few months later, from that original meeting, Matt Carter got up in front and proclaimed and called our church to be radically about the nations. And that, that, that thing that started was called the 100 People Network. And we were looking for 100 people to start this process. And the people that we were going to send out from our church had to fit into three different categories. First, they were going to go to the unreached peoples. They were going to go to the unreached peoples where there is no church, no local indigenous church. It's not that those folks living in those places don't, aren't, are choosing not to go to church. There is no option in their language or culture. There's no one that speaks the gospel in their language. So we, we were going to go where there is no church, the unreached peoples. Second... We were going to go primarily to plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. We believe that God has ordained that the church be the hope of the world with Jesus at the head. And it is the best way to transform cultures. And so whether they were um, stepping into orphan care or whether they were um, helping with human trafficking or, or running English centers or whatever they were doing, at the core of what they w were there for, it was to plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. And then last, we wanted everyone that we sent to go for at least two years or more because we believe that's where long-term work starts. It takes two years um, at a minimum to begin to, to fit into a culture, learn a language, and begin to proclaim the gospel um, to a people that have never heard about Jesus. And so that's what happened. The response was overwhelming. Hundreds um, responded, and that's how the 100 People Network started. Well, since then, that was six and a half years ago in September of 2009. Since then, in the last six and a half years, God has sent from our church by his great and kindness, great grace and kindness, 156 adults to the unreached peoples. Yeah, you can clap for that. It's pretty amazing. 75% uh, of those folks are still there. So currently, right now, there are 31 different unreached people groups that are being engaged with the gospel um, and trying to see churches planted. These folks, that story is going to continue in the future. That, these folks here represent all the folks, 50 folks, that we're going to send out by God's grace in 2016. And so this year, we're hoping that all these guys, um, by the end of the year, won't live here, but they'll live among unreached peoples. And what's cool is this represents another six 
unreached people groups that will begin to engage with the gospel. Many of them hearing about Jesus, for most of them hearing about Jesus for the first time. And so in the Bible, in the book of Acts, we have Saul and Barnabas, uh, Paul, sorry, and Barnabas sent out by the church, commissioned. And, and, and so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to commission these guys, let them know that we're for them, support them. And because we're not going to have the ability to have everybody come up and lay hands on them, you just go ahead and take your right hand and don't worry, nothing funny is going to happen. Just, just stick your right hand. It's a way for you to show your support and that we are commissioning them and we are behind them as a church and join me in praying for them this morning. So God, we thank you so much for these folks, not because they're better than the folks that are seated with raised right hands, but because they are stepping into what you have called them to. And it takes senders and goers both to do this work, God. And we thank you for all the men and women that have invested in the lives of these people. Thank you for all the men and women that have taught them the gospel, shown, brought them into the kingdom, and then given them a vision to spread this great gospel to the nations. <clears throat> we pray, God, over this next year as they prepare to go, that you would give them courage as they say goodbye to a lot of people that they love dearly, including us. We pray that you would raise all their support. Thank you that where you lead, you always provide, and that you will provide for all their needs in Jesus we pray for those first couple years in the field, God. We pray it would just be the beginning, that you would give them perseverance and language. We pray that you would help them to, to repent and confess quickly and then receive forgiveness, that their team, that, that the conflict would be short, um, and then that you would give them and put them in front of people that are ready to say yes to you, whole households of people. You would put them in front of those folks, God. Give them perseverance and language learning and let them be there for the long haul, God, that until there are churches that are planting churches that are planting churches, they would not leave them. Give them that kind of perseverance, God. They don't have it in themselves. Only your spirit and your power can do that in them. So we pray for that for them. And God, we pray too for our church. We pray that we would not forget them. We pray that we would remember them, pray for them, remember their birthdays. We join their support teams, their advocacy teams. God, you would help us to realize that it takes the whole church for this endeavor. Thanks that you've let us be a part of it. Thanks for these folks up here and the faith that you've given them and the faith that you've given us to send them. We agreed together and everyone said, amen. Amen. Yeah, give God a hand. All right. As you can see, we're not just sending folks out of college. We got families. In fact, about 40% of the people that we've sent um, have young kids. And so um, they, the good news is they have young kids overseas um, and uh, all the time. And so it, uh, it really um, doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. Um, you, can, you can go. And uh, as these guys are going down, I even just want to say um, that these folks, the reason we bring them up here is not because this is varsity, Okay. This isn't like the varsity believers, team A, and the rest of us, I, I guess we got to raise a hand, you know, that was our part, or maybe just write a little, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. We, we bring them up front because we, we see the example in the Bible to commission them, to send them out, but it really takes both of us, goers and senders, doing it together. So why don't you go ahead and, and, and open your Bible to Psalm 96, all of our convictions as a church come from the Word of God, and we're going to read today from Psalm 96, verses 1 through 5. Psalm 96, verses 1 through 5. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations his marvelous works among all the peoples. 
For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. The first verse says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. And we love to do this as a church, amen? We love to sing to God and and worship through singing. And God has given us gifted men and women to lead us Sunday after Sunday in the corporate worship experience. It's a real gift that we have that he's given us. We should love to sing because we have a great God. Verses 4 and 5 tell us some of the reasons why we should worship this great God. You look at the end of verse 5. It says, but the Lord made the heavens. And I don't know the last time that you actually looked at the sky, either right when it was coming up or right as it was going down or at night and thought about all the universes that it represents. All that is put there day after day for us to understand that that God is great and he is greatly to be praised. I think about at the end of verse 4 where it says, He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. And just two months ago, I was in South Asia. You guys can go ahead and put that picture up. I was in South Asia and seeing some of the things that God is doing. God is doing some great things, but there still is much need. There are literally billion, over a billion people, 1.7 billion people, just like this mom and son. I know it's a little hard to see with all the, the smoke and the incense, but you've got a mom turning a prayer wheel, praying to an idol. And that idol is nothing more than a piece of stone or a piece of wood or a painted, um, uh, it's it's, it's nothing, right? And yet this this little boy, this is what he's learning about what it means to worship right here. This is him learning worship right here. And God says, this is is not worship. These are worthless idols. 1.7 billion people, friends, just in South Asia alone. That doesn't include China. One point, that's like five times the population in the United States. And this begins to point to our problem in worship. You go back to the text in Psalm 96, verse 1, it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. And we love to do that, and we should. And then it says, sing to the Lord all the earth. See, the singing to the Lord ought to drive us to the glory of God, to the weightiness of God, to the greatness of God. But not to just be enjoyed by us, but to be enjoyed by all the earth. For all those that Jesus came to redeem and will redeem. Singing to God is incredibly important in the Bible. And it, but it's always just a part of our worship. If our worship terminates with just singing, then we're not seeing God as we ought. The psalmist starts his worship with singing and then moves from, from singing on a Sunday morning in our context out into every day and every people telling. Again, back to Psalm 96, it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. His salvation, that's Jesus. It's very clearly talking about Jesus. Jesus is the way to God. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Acts 4.12 says there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Jesus is the salvation that we are supposed to tell about. David starts by singing, right? Singing in worship, and that moves him from singing to telling. You see it in verse 1 and verse 2. He wants to tell people of this salvation. The more that David sing, the more that David worships in his singing, the more that he wants to worship in his telling. And our singing, friends ought to compel us, ought to drive us, ought to move us to more telling. 
So this is where the incompleteness of our worship comes in. Our worship to God is often limited. It it often ends too soon. It terminates on us. And so this morning to illustrate that, what we're going to do is just have the ladies in this campus, right here at downtown, um, sing this chorus. Alex is going to play it on the keyboard. And I want you to belt it out, ladies, okay? Like you're singing just like you were just a few minutes ago. If you're in another campus, you, you can just listen. Um, if you're a guy anywhere, you don't have to sing, okay? We're just trying to make it real easy. Um, and, but if you're a lady here, you're just going to sing this chorus. You don't have to stand up or anything. Just sing this chorus with all you got. Ready, ladies? Sing, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my soul. Worship his beautiful ladies it really was I mean you can give yourself a round of applause if you want or if you're in another campus you can clap for the ladies at the downtown campus Uh, it was great but you could feel it right you could feel the incompleteness of that worship ladies if you were the ones singing those who were singing you could feel that there, there was more that God had in this room and if you weren't singing whether you were on another campus or you were a guy in this room you could feel that it wasn't quite full friends that's the reality or ought to be the reality in our worship today for those of us when we sing because we know Jesus we sing about God there should be a joy and a feeling of it's not quite full The full number of those God came to redeem is not yet worshiping him. There should be an incompleteness feeling that we have. And it should drive us to be about what he's about. And then for those not singing, you too, you could feel the incompleteness. Because you weren't singing. Maybe you even wanted to sing. And that is the current reality in the world today. Around the world, whether it's South Asia or in our neighborhoods, people want to sing. And they're going to sing about something. But until they sing about this great God, their singing will be incomplete as well. See, God has for us to sing and he wants us to sing. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. And and we often meet with God in a powerful way in these 90 minutes here together. And we think, man, I'm so filled up with God. And that's great, and it should be. But God, today, through his word, is telling us, friends, God is saying, I have more for you. I have more for you. And we look at verse 2, and and again, he tells us to sing. He encourages us. He doesn't want us to stop singing. He says, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. See, when we just limit it to this 90 minutes, it's limited by time and space. And then he tells us, sing to the Lord and tell of his salvation day to day. And some of us do that. Some of you, and and you hear that week after week here. Let your worship go into your week. Worship is not about Sunday. It's about your whole life. And some of you do that. And you don't let your worship be limited by time. But many of us, friends, many of us, we still limit our worship by space. And it doesn't, our worship doesn't, we don't think about our worship past Austin. And God is saying to us today through his word, I have more for you. I have more for you. 
There there is more. Look at verse 3 again. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. It's back to where it started in verse 1 where where David is saying, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. Because that's where our most joy in singing and telling and worshiping will be. When all the peoples of the earth are worshiping God. And that's what we see happen in Revelation 7. Revelation chapter 7. What God commands and wants to have happen in Psalm 96 becomes reality in Revelation 7. We've got John writing a vision of what's going to be in the near future. This is what it says in Revelation 7, 9, and 10. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand and crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's going to happen, friends. Every single people group on the planet, all 16,324 of them that are on our planet will be around the throne. And all 7,102 languages that are on the earth right now will be around that throne. Some from every language, every tribe, will be proclaiming how great our God is. And yet here's the reality today, folks. This map illustrates where there are churches that are proclaiming the gospel, that's the green, and then showing where the gospel is not yet, where there are no churches, local churches, in a language and a culture that makes sense to those people. And they're not living in the realities of Psalm 96. And so the question we have to wrestle with this morning is how do we reconcile what God's calling us to in Psalm 96 and what he's going to do in Revelation 7 to the current reality? How do we we reconcile those two? And some of you may be thinking, Andy, I don't don't know where you were just like 20 minutes ago, but, but there were about 50 folks up here that we said we're sending to the red. And I would say amen. And we're going to keep sending them. More and more and more of them. The question today is not, are we going to continue to be a church that's about seeing God worshipped by the nations? The answer is clearly yes. Because the Bible says clearly yes. The question today is, as a part of this church, have you and I really wrestled through the question, why would I not go? Why would I not go? Why wouldn't our family move to the red too often we hear people, well, I, I, I'm not called to go. I'm not called to go. And, and I just don't know how much weight that actually holds when we look at the scriptures like Psalm 96. Or we look at the words of Jesus when he told us to go and make disciples of all nations. Or again, when Jesus said in, in Mark 16, go and proclaim the gospel to all creation. Or in the first chapter of the book of Acts, verse 8, he says, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And again and again and again throughout the Bible, Romans 10, how will they believe unless someone preaches? How will they preach unless they're sent? Um, How beautiful are the, uh, the feet of those that bring the good news? God is radically about his glory, and so he is about our going. And I'm not saying this morning that everyone should go, but I am saying everyone should wrestle through it. For some of you, it just means a job transfer. You just need to go to your company's website and say, where in the red is my company? And ask for a job transfer. Or I think about a guy a couple years ago who worked for an Austin-based company, a tech company, and he went to his bosses and said, what about opening a new branch of our company in the Middle East? You know what they said? Okay, who's going to go? 
I will. I volunteer, right? And that, that brother's living there right now. Friends, it, it, you can, many of you can keep your exact same professions and do what you do here, there. I, it, that, the, the important thing is not what you're doing or not doing. Here's the question that God wants each of us to wrestle with. How are we giving our lives to his complete global worship? How are we, how am I giving my life to God's complete global worship? Because there's a global worship crisis happening right now. It is the greatest crisis on the planet. It always has been. It always will be the greatest crisis that's happening. See, friends, it's not enough just to be around a church that's about the nations. You have to step into that. Any, anybody heard of ACL? Austin City Limits. You guys heard of that small kind of little worship? Uh, not worship. Uh, little... It's kind of like worship. Um, little, little live music band festival that happens on a yearly basis. Some of you are like, oh, I know it. You know, you try to avoid downtown like the plague. If you meet somebody and you say you're from Austin, they might say, oh, that's where Austin City Limits. That's where you're from. And you're like, yeah. You know, like you're, 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 you're kind of, then you're, yeah, I'm part of that cool thing that happens. And, but, 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 but your face looks pretty different, right, on 35 when you're in Round Rock moving at five miles an hour because of ACL. Now, that is a radically different experience in that car compared to being in Zilker Park at the, at the, the, the front of your, the stage of your favorite live band. And I don't know if they still do mosh pits or, you know, with bands around or whatever they do, okay? I'm not in that scene, obviously. <laughs> but but all, the, all the cool things that they do, uh, th- th- those are two radically different worship experiences. And God wants us today to be a part of it. Not just to be around it, but to be in it. He wants us to be in it. And so our biblical conviction is worship is more complete when we are joining God and seeing him worshiped by all the peoples of the earth. And there's two responses that are really clear from Psalm 96. There's more than two, but these are two that are crystal clear from Psalm 96. Again, it says in verse 1, oh, sing to the Lord. There's singing and there's going. Singing and going. Some of you are like, I'll take singing, right? Um, It's okay. They're they're, they're not mutually exclusive, actually. Oh, sing to the Lord, it says in Psalm 96, verse 1, one more time. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Friends, let's keep singing. Let's think more about God. Let's study more about God. Let's engage more of who God is so that we can write new songs. God doesn't want less songs. He wants more songs. He wants more worship. In fact, God is radically about the increased worship of himself. He is radically about the increased worship of himself. Friends, think about it. 2 Timothy 3.16, it's really clear. God is the one who wrote the Bible, right? All scripture is God-breathed. So think about God saying this psalm in the first person. Just listen to me as I read it from God's perspective. Oh, sing to me a new song. Sing to me all the earth. Sing to me, bless my name. Tell of my salvation from day to day. Declare my glory among the nations, my marvelous works among all the peoples. For I am great and greatly to be praised. God wants all of the worship. He wants us to be radically about what he's about, namely his worship. 
It should be our number one want and desire to give us and, and to let us worship anything else as idolatry. Whether it's the peoples around the world, like the ones in South Asia, or us here, to worship anything else is idolatry. God wants us to worship him. He wants all of our lives to be worshiped. And so whether you're singing or whether you're going to the nations or whether you're picking up the kids from the basketball um, deal or whether you're going to your class, all of life ought to be worshiped. And, and this glory of God is what drives that worship. Listen to what one of our goers said from, from the Middle East about, about their lives and about God's glory. God's glory is the driver of my family and why we work amongst the unreached. It makes everything else make sense for us. My family going to the unreached, learning a difficult language, and everything else that comes with this lifestyle, when rooted in the glory of God, leads to joy and satisfaction. Why? Because it all begins and ends with God. It doesn't end with me, my family, the unreached, language, good times, bad times, suffering, persecution, fear, etc. It ends with God getting what he's due, glory. When God gets glory from my life, I get joy, regardless of the circumstances. Amen. Amen. That's what God wants. He wants our worship. And and you don't have to be Logan or Jimmy or whoever to to, to worship him. He just wants our lives. He wants our lives to worship him. It's not about simply singing. He wants us to worship him. And our worship ought to produce a want for more worship in the people around us and the people around the world. And it's this wanting, this wanting that's really our response. Wanting more of the glory of God. Wanting more singing, wanting more worship. So again, our conviction is worship is more complete when we are joining God and seeing his and seeing him worshiped by all the peoples of the, the earth. So we can respond by singing and we can respond by going. By going. Verse 3 makes it really clear about the going. Psalm 96 verse 3 says, declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. The key word, obviously, if you didn't catch it, was among, right? Among. In order to declare his glory, we must be among the nations. It's really clear where God wants us to be among. Verse 1, all the earth. Verses three, verse 3, among the nations, among all the peoples. God doesn't want some of the peoples. He wants all of the peoples, And to be among means to be surrounded by or in the middle of, to be inside. And so he wants us to be inside all the people groups on the planet to go there. Now, some people might say, well, Andy, I don't, I I mean, there there are people here in Austin that are from these these countries that are represented by the red. Maybe we should, you know, share Jesus with them and, and then teach them how to plant churches and send them back. And I would say, amen, let's do that. But it does not negate our being called to be among them, to go and and, and live among them. And the best example for us going and continuing to send people to go is Jesus. John 1, 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word Jesus became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So how did they see the glory of God? By him dwelling among them. 
He had to dwell among them. That's why Christmas is so awesome, guys. Because, because it means, dwelling means intimate communion. That's what the word means in the Greek. And that's what God does. He wraps himself in flesh, 100% God, 100% human. And he puts himself on this planet as a baby. And he communes with us intimately. He dwells among us to proclaim the greatness and the glory of God. And that's what he's calling us to be about. That's why we send people. That's why we need to wrestle with should we go. Why would we not go to the red? Because people have to dwell among them and learn their language, learn their culture, be there for years to see churches that plant churches that plant churches. My, my buddy John's a great example of that. He uh, lives in Khartoum, Sudan, and uh, North Sudan, and works among the, the Muslim um, friends there. And, and so they speak Arabic there. And I had another friend that said learning Arabic is like trying to swallow an Olympic-sized swimming pool, trying to drink it, Right. Pretty, pretty difficult language to learn. And for most people, at the end of two, maybe three years, they're getting to the place where they start to be conversational, right? Um, but John, um, he, he, he was like, man, the greatness of God, the weightiness of God is so, I, I just can't wait that long. And so he would study 50 to 70 hours a week. And he would go, and you can see it here. This isn't like a camp. That's where he lived, Okay, he moved in with 40 Sudanese guys into, into these, it's two rooms, that 20 guys in, in them each. They lived in these dumpy little pads, sleeping bag, bag on the floor. There weren't lockers, there weren't dressers, there weren't their private little rooms with the door shut. There's no indoor plumbing or running water. And he was among them. Not because he always enjoyed the amongness, right? I'm sure he didn't. Stuff got stolen, broken into, but he's, he's picking up Arabic, learning to be a monk. He, he, and here's the bus system. He rode public transportation to be really simple, right? He, it looks like 35, um, he was among them. It, and it's not because he didn't have money for a taxi or for his own car, but he wanted to be among them. So he'd ride on the crowded traffic. He'd eat what they eat, eating less, on less than a dollar a day. And all these among sacrifices paid off, friends. Because in just a little over a year, he was having full conversations with Muslim friends about, with Muslim men about Jesus. There's no other way that God has than for us to be among them. And church, I just, I want to, I want to tell it to you, um, not in a flashy way. It's hard. It's difficult. Leaving Austin and going to the red is not easy. It is different in every way. Different food, different culture, different how you get your mail, different how you set up your utilities, different how life and business operate, different in so many ways. It is difficult. But see, we don't go to the unreached because it's easy. We go because our God is great. Amen? We go because our God is great. We go to be among them because our God is great. And there are so many ways. You're like, Andy, I, I, that really wouldn't work for my family and I, living in the camp style thing. And that's okay. There are other friends that I have in the Middle East, and they have nicer house than we do. And so it, it, among can look a lot of different ways. For, for many of you, you just need to start going. You, need to, you do sales here. Guess what? They have sales in, in Morocco. You're an engineer here. They've got a few engineers in China. You're in the tech industry, right? You make apps, whatever that, you know, all the fancy words for that are. Like, um, they do that in India a lot. And you could do what you do, just switch locations. Be among them so that where there is no church, there would be a church. You're, you're a venture capitalist. 
or an investor, why not invest in Delhi or Dubai or Istanbul? Why not invest in something that's going to last for billions and billions and billions of years? That's what we need to give our lives to. Church, God is calling us today to be a church that sings and to be a church that goes. He wants us. That's where our worship will become more complete. I want to end with this quote from one of our goers that's in the Middle East. I think, I think one of the things that happens when we go to these difficult places is all the things that we depend on, whether we know it or not, are taken away from us. And so we are desperate. And, and because we're more desperate, we cry out for more of God. And he always shows up when we're desperate. And he, he lets us think more deeply about him so we can sing these new songs. You can see this as, as one of our gals on a team in the Middle East said. She said this. She said, if God promised, this is, we're done. We're, we're just going to end it with this. If God promised that he would make his glory known among the nations, he is going to make good on that promise. If God, if God is pursuing his glory, he will get his glory. So the only possible explanation of him inviting us into that pursuit is that it is our highest possible good. It's our highest possible good to pursue the glory of God among the nations. It's going to happen, friends, and he is inviting us for our good, for our joy, to be a part of it. Say yes to him today. It's okay if you don't have all the steps figured out. It doesn't mean that you're going to be in Yemen six months from now, okay? It just means that you're saying, God, I want to be a part of that. I want my life to be a part of your name being worshipped by all the peoples in the earth. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. It's so clear to us, God. Um, when you reveal it to us through your spirit, your word is so clear about the things you would have for us, what you're passionate about, namely your name being worshipped by all the peoples of the world. You're passionate about your glory. It's the best thing in the entire universe. And you call us to make our lives about it. And so God, whether we stay here in Austin or whether we go somewhere in the world, it's really a secondary question. The first question is, God, will I make my life, will our family's life, will me and my roommates make our lives about, will our MC, will our life be about the glory of God? For it is the only place to find satisfaction. Nothing else will bring us joy and fulfillment like you and your glory and our desire to sing and worship and tell people about it. That's it. Your glory is a thing that will last for billions and billions of years and we will spend all eternity worshiping you, enjoying you and it won't get boring, it will get better. Day after day after day, it will get better. The enjoyment of you will get better and so we wanna give our lives to that, to you. And so give us the courage, give us the faith to step into the unknown, to take a next step, to say yes to you May we not live in any lies that say, well, because you did this in your past or because you did this last night, you can't be a part. That's a lie from the, the pit of hell. 
You have redeemed us through Jesus. You have made us right again through his life and death and resurrection. And so God, now we say we're yours, not because life will be easier, but it will be better. We trust you for this. We thank you, God. Thank you that you've let us be a part. Thank you that you've made us your own through Jesus. We love you. And the church agreed and said,